A prophet, all pure stuff. I came into Ifa after studying Buddhism for some time in my 16th year. I was tired of not having an uplifting spiritual practice. I was suffering under the heavy hand of depression and the Baptist church that we had began to attend when I was nine was not giving me much of anything. My father had been attending service by himself for about a year before the patriarchal spiel about being the head of the household took, took firm grasp and we were all forced to go. I was a daddy's girl, so I had attended service with him, just us two, a few times during that year of 2008. So here I am, about 17 years old now, queer, all pierced up and depressed, unable to conjure a lie that would get past my dad's keenness, sitting in the second row of a mostly empty church, listening to sermons that conflated homophobia, transphobia, and misogyny with upliftment for God's real children. It took me about five years in those church pews to reject the word of that church rather than rejecting myself. I stopped trying to be a good Christian soldier when I was 12. Using each of the three pill years, using each of the three years I had on, a, on her as a pillar of power, I forced my younger sister to memorize the chapters of the Bible and popcorn read from the Jehovah's Witness youth books with me, completely unaware of the fact that even that Heritage Baptist Church would condemn. I was still young. I thought everything involving the Bible was the same. Heritage Baptist Church wasn't my first experience with feeling ostracized by a church. My mom used to drag my little sister and I to St. Patrick's Catholic Church on Main Street when we were younger. I don't even think she really cared to go on a Wednesday night mass after she came home from work or even worse, a Saturday evening mass. But we went as often as her shame of not going would get her to go. My mother grew up Catholic in a Catholic household in Trinidad. Going to church was more of a tradition than a ritual. Not long after I received my first communion, we stopped attending altogether. I assigned, very naturally, all the differences between the two churches to the fact that one was predominantly white and the other almost all black. At eight, all I knew was that I felt more comfortable at the latter, so I let myself get wrapped up in the subpar choir and how beautifully and delicately the sun streamed through the simple, due to low budget, window treatments. I found that if I leaned a little to the left, I couldn't see the parking lot of HBC, nor the laundromat across the Fifth Avenue. And from that angle, still focusing on the soft hope of the sun, I pretended that I was in the South. Georgia, South Carolina maybe, in the grasslands with the rest of the black people in town, gathered in a tent, white, and makeshift, but delightfully bright nonetheless, like heaven. The sermons were easier to get through 
when I placed it in a nostalgic setting, reminiscent of the scenery I imagined to be the antebellum South, like the sermons my favorite characters sat through when I escaped into the historical fiction books that I loved to read under my bed for hours. Pastor Williams would instruct the congregation to open the Bibles to chapter blank, verse blank, always with a slight undertone of boastfulness in his tenor voice. He occasionally would let his ego peek and I be on the veil to brag. We actually use our Bibles here at HBC. Some people go to church and never even thumb through the table of contents during the whole sermon, and they call that going to church. Nah, we don't do that here at Heritage. We like to use our Bibles for more than table decor. He scuffs, then chuckles. Anyways, folks, you should be opened up to chapter blank, verse blank by now. He wiped his forehead with a rag folded in four. Here in this chapter, we have the prophet. I sneak a peek over my shoulder at the clock on the back wall.